makes it different. That's the idea that we're going to speak to you from today. A distinctive difference is what makes a difference. So if you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word from Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 22. Here's what the word of God says. In whom ye also are built together for a habitation of God. Let me read that again. In whom ye also are built together for a habitation of God. Now, Father, I pray that you open our eyes that we can see and our ears can see and our hearts can understand what the word of God says. And then let us plot our lives so that we can be changed in the image of your son. Father, I ask that Jesus would speak to us. Reveal to us what he desires through the Holy Spirit for us to know, do, understand, and understand. Then may we receive. And as we receive it, release it, so that we can be blessed, corrected, guided, and led into truth that changes and even fixes our lives. We give you praise and honor and glory for it in the love of the name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our master God. Now, is Christ in you? That's a big question today. And I won't tell you why it's a big question. Because we have come into a time when we are passing out trips into eternity as if we are giving away a lot of time. We are literally passing it out as if we're giving away a piece of gum. We're saying to people, just believe. All you have to do is believe. And if you believe, you're saved and you're going to heaven. So the question no longer for me is, are you saved? That's not even a, that's not a question that is appropriate for our modern era. The question is, is Christ alive in you? Because being saved today has connotations that do not apply to biblical things. Because when someone has Christ living in them, there are going to be some distinctions. There's going to be some things in them that are distinct. Let me give you some idea of what distinction means. If you ever heard Paparazzi sing up. You have heard a distinctive operating voice. If you ever heard George Jobs sing bass, you are listening to a distinctive bass voice. If you ever saw Michael Jordan play basketball, you are looking to a distinctive athlete who does something so distinctive that he probably may be the best that ever played that game. 
When you look at things that people do, I have a neighbor who does art on songs of all And it is, it is absolutely so beautiful. It's a distinctive part of his ability. It's something that sets him apart from everybody else. I can't do it. Anybody else do it in here? No. When we had Tommy Klein, for instance, play food, that's distinctive. Because I can't do it, and I don't know anybody else who can. Distinctives. Distinctives. So when we look at the things that are distinctive in mankind, we see the things that separate them from everybody else. Now the problem with our world today is our world operates from a doctrinal perspective that messes the distinctives up. We believe in doctrines that give us the latitude to have no distinction. To have no separation, to have no belief system that says, I'm distinct in my belief system, even though we are the only. Now, watch me here now because I'm not going to use the R word. What's the R word, Pastor Michael? It's called religion. We are the only method of spiritual relationship known in the world. With all of your different types of religions, we are the only one who has a distinctive. What is that distinctive, Pastor Mike? We are the only one that has the distinctive of a risen Savior. We are the only one who has a distinctive of the habitation of God in you. We're the only one. No other religion has those. None. None of them. They don't have any risen people to say we are serving a risen. No, no. We are distinct in that And they don't have anybody to say he lives in me. We are distinct in that matter. You have the distinction of the God of the universe making habitation in you. Look at this. In whom ye also are built together for a habitation of God in the Spirit. Now the question is not has God determined to build a temple, a habitation in you? And the question is not has Christ Determined to be alive in you. That's not the question. The question is, are you living under the distinctive of the life of Christ in you? Now let me show you something. In John 14 and 6, Jesus said, The Father, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. If you don't believe that, if that message, now watch this chapter, this is unbelievable. If you don't believe the message of the Father in me, and me in the Father, if you cannot wrap your mind around the fact that the Father is in me and I am in the Father, then you must wrap yourself around the distinctives 
The distinctives. What are the distinctives? Christ said you must believe in the works because they are distinctive. They are only done by the Father. You must believe in the works that I do because the works that I do are traced back to the Father. Now, what ask you? If I ask that question about every one of you in this room and those of you that are listening, and say, can your works be traced back to the Father? Is it so distinctive in you that everything you do can be traced back to God the Father and God the Son because you identify that they have a habitation in you? Or are you living helter skelter and coming to church on Sunday? Living helter skelter and watching our videos on podcasts, YouTube, and empty higher radio. Are you living in such a way that your life is distinctive? Well, let's see what happened to people who found this distinctive life. Jesus came into the world and his life was distinctive. And you and I don't have to argue about that. I, I, you wouldn't argue anyway because you all you have to do is read the Gospels. The Gospels are going to tell you about the distinctiveness of Jesus Christ. You know those. He raised the dead. He healed the blind. He healed the lame. He fed uh, 5,000 and 3,000 and he healed everyone that was sick among them. And everywhere he went, there was a distinctive work that left everybody to know who he was working for, and if you didn't know it, all you had to do was look at the works and say, surely this is not the work of a carpenter's son. And none of him could figure that Because they would know that a carpenter had the ability to build a house, a fence, redesign the inside, put down some paper, but he did not have the ability to heal the sick and raise the dead. There were distinctives there that set him apart from everybody else. Now then along came the 12, and they were somewhere out there until Jesus called them and gave them something that was distinctive. What did he do? He said, you go in my name into the cities and you lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And they came back and said, it is so. Your name is so distinct in the spiritual world that what the Father has done in you, that you have worked in them, has been transferred to us and we are now doing the same in those same people. Distinct. Well, he didn't stop there. Then he went, and this is so important that you understand that because so many people today want to say, well, now all of that is done. Jesus did it. He's no longer here. I will agree that there is historical reference to the resurrection. I will consent to the fact that he is not in the tomb. I will consent to the fact that he ascended into heaven, I will consent to all of that, except I will not consent to the fact that anybody but he could do the things that he did. Well, you would say that might be so, 
except he called 70 other people who were not involved with the 12, who had nothing to do with Jesus other than to just be followers of his. And he said the same thing to them, and they went out. This is the report they brought back. They said, even the devils bowed when we speak. That's pretty distinctive, isn't it? Uh, even demons bow down when we use your name. What a distinctive. Were they born of the virgin? Did they have the God side and the man side? Were they walking with Jesus everywhere he went? Were they one of the twelve? No, 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 no. They were simply ones of seventy who took the distinctive that was Jesus Christ and his name and took it into the world and the devil bowed down. That's a distinctive, my friend. That is something that is very distinct out here. Let's look at what the distinctive does for people. Well, let's look at old Brother Peter. You know that his distinctive was he was a loud mouth. He was a fast speaker. He seemed to talk off the cuff. Everything that came up, Peter had an answer for you. Remember that guy? <laughs> now that guy had a distinctive. There was a distinctive about old Peter. Peter could be in the flesh one moment and in the spirit in another. Someone said, how could that be? All you got to do is read the word of God. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the son of the living God. And he said, yes, Peter. And upon that rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. About two or three verses later, Jesus said, I'm going to the cross. And Peter said, no. And Jesus turned and said, get behind me, Satan. See, Peter had that ability to be in the flesh and in the spirit. Why? Because he had not been made the habitation of God through the Spirit as yet. But whenever the day came when Jesus ascended up into glory, sat down at the right hand of God, and the promise of the Father was reached, Peter took on a completely different distinction. At the cross, Peter cursed and fled. At the cross, Peter went into the desperation of guilt. Why? The same reason many of you do. The desperation of guilt. The desperation of shame. The desperation of depression. The desperation of oppression. The desperation of compression. Where you're feeling the weight of the world is all over you all day, all the time. Peter went there. Peter lived there until Jesus went and sought him out. When Jesus began to ask Peter, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. But there was no distinction yet in Peter. There was nothing yet in Peter that would make him to be separated and distinct in the world in which he lived. There was none of that. Then came the day of Pentecost. And Peter's distinctive changed. Everything about Peter changed. 
everything that Peter wanted to talk about changed. And he stood up in front of those who had sent him into oppression, depression, compression, guilt, and shame, and said, Ye men of Jerusalem, these are not broken as ye suppose. But this same Jesus who you crucified is a man approved by God. And he began to tell them the story of Jesus Christ, the promise of the Father from David to Joel and all the way to the moment he had a distinctive that changed his life. Now what is your distinctive? What are you doing in your life that is separating you from the lives of the world. What are you doing in your life that is so distinctive that you would say to people, listen, if you don't believe that Christ lives in me, just look at the works that I do. What are you doing? How are you living? When you go by your day by day and you rub shoulders with somebody else, is there absolutely no difference between you and them? Because the distinctive is what makes the difference. How you live your life, how you talk, how you walk, how you think, how you treat others, how you care for others, how you parent, how you love your wife, all are distinctively related to the fact that Jesus Christ is in you. And his distinctive brings out of you what? The love of God. It brings out of you healing. It brings out of you the ability to preserve, the ability to deliver, the ability to make those feel safe, the ability for soundness, and the ability to be whole. These things are distinctives. Where are you? Who are you? Someone said to me this week, now think on this, can the devil work in a Christian? Well, of course he can work in a Christian. Of course the devil can. That's why the word of God said, draw nigh unto God, and he'll draw nigh unto you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Of course he can attack you. Of course he can and whenever he attacks you, my friend, if you don't have the distinctives of the habitation of God, now watch it now, in the spirit, you will falter. Now here's what's happening in the Christian world today. Now pay close attention to what I'm about to say. You got saved, and you went from being someone who was a bum, a drinker, a smoker, a cursor, around her, whatever the case may be, a thief, whatever the case. And you got saved and you said, yes, so read now. I'm clean. I'm washed. I'm living differently. Boy, it's so nice not to have all of that. All those old things. I, I just, boy, I'm glad I quit that. I don't have to worry about lung cancer. I don't have to worry about living my liver uh, cirrhosis. I don't have to worry about uh, cursing at everybody my mouth flying off in any old time. I ain't got to worry about I've been born again. Now time now goes 
And you move from today to tomorrow, to next year, into the next year, into the next year, and you keep looking back. Listen to the testimonies and you'll hear it. What do they say? I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I used to be. That ain't the question. That ain't even close to the question. It has not got to do with what you used to be. It has to do with what you are. That's the question, my friend. Who are you? Not then, but now. What have you done with this Christ in you? Have you just traded an old way of life for a current way of life that has as much filter of the master of sin operating in it as you did before, except you said, I got saved. That's a big one now. So I want to break that down for you. Because many people today are living in the hellish damnation of the man who the Bible Jesus said was the man that he delivered from the demonic. Remember him? And it said that he wandered around for a while and then he decided to go home. And when he got home, he found seven demons worse than the first. Yeah. Remember that guy? That's where we are today in the Christian world. We're wandering around in this thing and we talked about who we used to be. We don't do that stuff anymore. We don't act like that anymore. Now we're over here where we are and we're lying and we're cheating and we're talking trash and we're telling dirty jokes and we're doing everything, but we don't do what we used to do anymore. We don't smoke, we don't drink, we don't cuss, we don't know what those that do. But today we're living in a completely different reality. How did that happen? Because we lost our distinction. We lost our distinction. We lost the things that were built in us when we got born again and we never ever developed and grew in the immaturity in Christ Jesus. So we simply went from where we were to where we are and there are several other things that are worse than the first. Tell me it ain't so. All you got to do is look out the world. Countless thousands of people today will go into the temple of God. They will go in and steeped in the sin of today and say, but I'm not what I used to be. No, you're not. You are what you are. Let me say that one more time. You're not what you used to be, but you are what you are. And where you are does not have the distinctive of the habitation of God operating in. Now watch it. Now watch, watch, watch. In the spirit. You don't have the habitation of God operating in you in the spirit. Why? Because no one ever told you that he should. No one ever told you that he could. No one ever told you that you were geared, designed, and wired to be led by the Spirit. No one ever told you that your brain was not the most powerful thing in your person. In you is wired to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and to lead you and guide you and direct you in the truth that you cannot know any other way. Can't be done. But we don't want that distinction. Why? Because we want to go out in the world and run children with the world and people with the world and think with 
didn't come into our church, put on our nice stuff, and come on into church and sit down and say, Look at me. I'm not the lower. Think on it now. Think on it now. I'm not what I was. But you are what you are. And when you are what you are, the question is, are you what you should? And a great question. Are you what you could be? Now that should and could is a gulf. It's a gulf, my friends. It's a gulf in the spirit world. You're not what you should be, but even greater, you're not what you could be. Why? Because you don't understand the, the nature of the distinction. You know, we no longer talk a whole lot anymore in the church of God. Uh, we're going to build the church of God about such things as sanctification. We don't no longer talk anymore about being separated to God. The distinctive. But whenever we look into the book of Acts, that's precisely what we see. We see the apostles and the disciples, the whole 120, being separated into a place where they have a distinctive. Now we go on and we see Philip and we see Stephen. Guys that are very rarely brought up. They have a distinctive. They had a distinctive. Stephen had it in such an extent that when they killed Jesus, stood up out of his chair. He's the only man that I've ever heard of any time where Jesus stood up when he died. Why? He had a distinctive about it. There was a distinction about it. There was something in him that resonated with the habitation of God. Is there anything in you that resonates with the habitation of God? in the spirit world, or are you just saying, I'm not what I was, but you are what you are? Is there anything in you that does that? Then along came Brother Paul. He had a distinctive. His distinctive was that he hated Christians, and he killed Christians and thought he was doing God a favor. Now next week I'm going to preach on the topic fighting against God. So get ready. Get ready, because next week is going to be a very dynamic message. Fight against God. We're going to find out if that's what you're doing. We're going to find out if that's what the church is doing. We're going to find out if that's what the world is doing. Fight against God. Now notice where I started that. Why? Because if you can't operate in the distinctives of Christ, you're fighting against God. I won't go there any more than to say that. If the church can't have the distinctive, they're fighting against God. If the world doesn't have the distinctive, they're fighting against God. My mother has said a million times that I've laughed about it, never thought about it. She said, if you box with God, you wouldn't. <laughs> now here's Paul. Paul's distinctive in the world. Now I want you to catch that, because the Holy Spirit put it to Paul's distinctive in the world. Are you being distinctive in the world? Are you being something in the world that is, people say, oh, he's the best. He's the greatest man. Oh, what he does, and I just don't know anybody can do that. Are you being distinctive in the world? Has the world shown up to you and made you puff up yourself and say, oh, man, 
I, I am somebody, and you know what used to do me that way. When I was coaching football and I would win a game, I would think, well, I'm the greatest coach that ever lived. Ain't nobody do it like me. Then we'd lose a game, and I would run around in the back saying, remember, you were the greatest coach that ever was. Remember that now. The status. Are you being the state in your world? Are you being the very best at what you can do in your natural self? Now, being the best at what you can do with your natural side is not necessarily wrong. Being the best in your natural side is not necessarily something that God would not sanction. If your natural side is subservient to the habitation of the Spirit of God. Because if you're not being your best in the spirit world, and you're not being your best being distinctive for Christ Jesus, then all in all of your getting, you will lose. Just the way it works, my friend. If God is not sanctioning your distinction, many people run off and say, God told me to do this. I'm doing this because God led me in this direction. I just, God told me, and all of a sudden, you see them and they don't have a dime to rub against the nickel. Why? Because they were doing what they wanted to do the way they wanted to do it, living how they wanted to live, spending where they wanted to spend, driving what they wanted to spend, living where they wanted to live, and absolutely no distinction of sanction from God Almighty. So there is a side in your human side that can lead you to devastation. How do I know that? Because the Word of God said there is a way which seems brighter to a man but the ways that are the ways of God. So what is your distinction today? What are you doing in the spirit world to make sure that you are serving the habitation of God in the spirit? Is Christ living out of you? Or are you cheating? Nobody's going to know the answer to you. Nobody's going to know whether your distinctive is that I'm saying one thing and doing another. You know, James told us that. He said, out of the same spouse, going to come good and evil. Paul came along, dug Jesus knocked him off his horse, blinded his eyes. And all of a sudden, the distinctives about Paul changed. Now, the world didn't actually understand it, nor because they were still scared of it, even the apostles were. But Paul got such a distinctive that Paul quit operating in the natural. Look at it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, about verses 2 through 4, 2 through 5. Paul stopped operating in the natural. He said, I don't come to you with the wisdom of man. I don't come to you with great speech. I come to you with a demonstration of the power of God. And when you get my demonstration of that distinctive power of the Holy Spirit, it will so influence your faith that you will begin to walk in this power that is a transformational power. 
It will bring you into works of demonstration, and the world will know that you have been in the habitation of the Spirit of God. What a message. What a message. Paul said, I ain't working in the natural anymore. Someone said, but, but, but Paul was a tent maker. That's right. Paul worked as a tent maker. And I imagine he's a pretty good. Because Paul was doing what he was doing while he was doing it in the spirit. And if you're doing what you're doing for Christ in your natural job and operating it to be a ministry for Jesus Christ, you can better bet you're going to be not only good at it, you're going to be great at it, and God is going to send people to hear the word of God, to hear your message, to talk to you about your distinction. That's what happened to Paul. That's what happened to all of the disciples. That's what happened to all of the apostles. They lived in the distinctions. They lived in the distinctions. Is Christ in you? Is Christ in you when someone makes you mad? Is Christ in you when you're standing in line at the grocery store and the people in front of you seem to be bundling around and you say, Here, can't they come? Is Christ in you operating in you when your husband or your wife does something? Is Christ in you when your kids act out of character? Is Christ in you? Is he operating in you? In all of the facets and aspects of your life, Jesus said, I want you to do Jesus said, the Father is in me and I am in the Father. And if you can't wrap your mind around it, if you can't see it, if it doesn't make any sense to you, if you would rather look at it from another angle, he said, then just look at what I do. Just look at how I live. Just look at how I love. Just look at how I give. Just look at how I care. Just look at how my compassion operates. Look at how grace comes through me when people get it, but they don't deserve it. Just look at me and look at the works that I do and you're going to readily see that the Father is operating out of me. Because my works will lead you to the place that you will know that I am not living on my own. I'm not my own. I belong to Jesus. He purchased me, and I'm all here. Thank you. Lord, with a pride, the blood of Jesus. I'm not my own. Is that true? Is that the distinctive that lives in you? Would your work say? 
Would your thoughts say? Would your actions say? Would your ways say? I'm not my own. I belong to Jesus. He purchased me. I'm because I'm bought with a pride, the blood of Jesus. Jesus, then. 
I burn my inability to get along with my husband or my wife. I burn my inability to be at odds with my children. I burn that inability to not be uh, honest and faithful in my work life. I burn that in that little distinct of the name of Jesus. In 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 the name of Jesus. And there's a distinctive right there. And devils begin to drop off. They begin to die. And they begin to be knocked down. They begin to go under your feet. In the name of Jesus. There's a distinctive right there, my friend, that if you walk in it, you will live the life of an overcomer, and you will certainly live a life of guilt. In the name of Jesus, there's a distinction that will speak out of your life right now that will bring every power of hell and every demonic thing to fall and bow before that wonderful name. For he is Lord. Father, we take it in today. We take it in today. We take it in today. We minister today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. It's our distinction. You're not only risen, but you're alive. You're quickening. You are quickening, Lord. That distinction is in me. Yes. And I speak it out of me today. Against every demon that comes against you. In the name of Jesus. I enter into the throne room today. In the name of Jesus, I have the distinction today to say that I am not my own, but I belong to you. And if I belong to you, then I can be a good cheer. Then I can be an overcomer. Then I can be what you designed me and give me in my spirit name to be. I can be made, made into the righteousness of God to live in the truth that your name and your word has designed. I have the distinction. In the name of Jesus, say that loud. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That distinctive Christ is in you. Father, I pray that you will minister to you. You will release us to live in the distinction of the name of Jesus. And to operate under that distinction. Until when they ask us, are we saved? We say, Christ has a habitation in me. He lives in me. And distinctively out of me. Every day against every situation comes his name and thwarts every negative plan of the devil. Glory to God, give the Lord a hand. For those of you on Facebook, YouTube, YouTube, Higher Radio, Mike Princeton, and Christ, there is a distinction that must come into you. The name of Jesus Christ must live and have a habitation in you. Now, if you don't know him today, you don't have that. If you have not got that living in you, operating out of you, then I want to share with you something. Unfortunately, you've been misled. Just to say you believed and stayed where you were. 
Just to say you believe to live like your own life. You've been misled. If he is not a habitation in you and Christ is not living out of you in such a way that you are not only changed but transformed. Now we know that change means that we take the old parts and we rearrange them, use them again. That's what change means. Anytime we just rearrange the parts, we'll go back to the same use we had before. But Jesus Christ transforms the life of he takes all of the parts as if he were to scatter them out in the room. And he sees a completely different vision for them. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are manufactured. We are made, created in Christ Jesus. Ordained under good works. That means that when he sees all of these parts, he begins to transform them and rewire and re-gear and bring about out of the old parts, something totally different, something that's used in a totally different way, and something that can never go back to being what you used to be. That's transformation, after all. That's what Jesus would do. Just say, I believe in him, does not reflect transformation. What we, what you need, what the word defines the Transformed out of darkness into the kingdom. I want you to pray with me. Jesus, forgive me. I've sinned. I have said in the past that I believe, but the effect of that did not be in me. Didn't change. Didn't even change. I want to be transformed. I want to be made with parts that I have into something absolutely different. To do something absolutely different that I was not able to do before. And to serve in a real and living way. So forgive me and I receive in Jesus' name. And if you've heard that part, I want you to understand what you should be now looking for. There should be an illumination of light that springs on the inside of you. That light is going to lead you into a pathway that is going to cause you to know Jesus Christ. And to lay off all of the works of the devil, the lust of the eye, the lust of uh, the flesh, and the pride of life, and all of the works will fall apart. We're laying that. And you're going to begin to pursue a different fruit. That fruit is going to come out of you from things such as love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, goodness, temperance, and all stuff. That's going to begin to come out of you, and you're going to see a different going to be totally transformed. Not because you believe, but because you understand that Christ is a habitation in you and your life will be transformed. Do that. Love you. Find a church that's preaching the word of God and join us on any of these media outreaches because we preach May God bless you in my prayer. Father, I pray that you will minister to us. That you will put your hand upon us. That you will keep, that you will bring this message to remembrance, the distinctive of your name, as they walk, work, as they live in this next week and in the years that they live. Put your hand upon them in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask it all. Amen. Amen. May God bless you until we meet six billion tonight on Facebook.
Yeah, she's uh, <clears throat> her and Ricky's been they've, they've trying out. Uh, you know, remember Ethan Hooker? Ethan Hooker, Donnie Hooker. He's preaching over at a church close to their house, Jessup Grove. So they've been visiting over there the past few weeks. It's right there, right beside their house, pretty much almost. Remember Ethan playing the banjo? Yeah. He was good on that thing, wasn't he? Playing the banjo again. I know he was preaching up there. I didn't know he had a church. Yeah. 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 Only preaching true, baby. What's that? Only preaching true. That's all that matters, yeah. He did. I enjoyed that. That was a good message. It's really good. We have, oh, how we have a good preacher this I know. Uh, blessed, that's for sure. Yeah. 